space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot, and joining us for this Hi episode there. is Dr. Squee. Happy late Star Trek Day, everyone. That's it, late Star Trek Day. Yeah, um, well, we're a day late broadcasting because of Star Trek Day was yesterday. We wanted to get the news. Exactly, and <laughs> yeah. if we were celebrating, like, UK Star Trek Day, we'd probably have to wait, like, a year or something because, you know... <laughs> when did we even get it? It was... I think it was more than a year, wasn't it? It was a, a good while, but... Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, while we look that up, we'll do a, we'll do an episode of the podcast. So... First of all, we're talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks, Magato Gamato. Uh, but even more excitingly, I think, is all the news that we got from Star Trek Day, which was last night or UK time early this morning. I think uh, you saw I, it in. I, I started watching it at one o'clock this morning when it went live. There you and go. I've, I've went to bed about half four this morning. Well done. I mean, that is dedication <laughs> to it. I have to admit, I just caught up on it this morning when I got up. But yeah, um, I did put a few things on the Facebook page. You did? As they were going live. Um, I f we were the first people on Facebook to have Prodigy's new trailer. So in that way, we were the first people on Facebook to get a copyright strike from CBS Paramount last night because the copyright strike, everyone immediately... I'm putting that. There you go. It's always been the goal. Well, shall we talk about Lower Decks first of all, and then we'll dig into all of the... Okay. <laughs> the, ..the actual Star Trek Day content. So, Magato Gamato, which uh, me and you, Elliot, were talking about this the other day, and we, uh, we had to look this up because I was talking about... I'm sure I saw a Magato described as a Gamato... And we yeah, and that's that's from the original script. It was called Gamato. Yeah. And apparently it was because DeForest Kelly and William Shatner couldn't pronounce it no, properly. No, it's DeForest <laughs> Kelly couldn't pronounce Gamato. Right. So it was changed to Magato. Mm -hmm. And then all the way through filming, William Shatner and DeForest Kelly couldn't say Magato and they called it Magato. 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 Yeah. So that's where the that's where the three different pronunciations come yeah. from. Um we get more than three in this one as well, but um yeah, so apparently that's where it comes from. Which I like mm -hmm. that the obviously they always make references to Star Trek and everything, but I feel like they're starting to get very this, kind of meta this with was, it now. This this was a deep cut Easter egg. Yeah. That we actually had to go look up where what it was. <laughs> Yeah, usually I, I don't need to get out the reference material to understand yeah. a Star Trek joke. But, but I, I think that really shows what a big uh, fan Mike McMahon really is of Star oh, Trek. Oh, yeah, this is really... Like, like, um, like I said, I've watched all Star Trek Day, and like during the interview with them, it was saying in the writing room, they throw out things and they'll go... 
shall we do a bit of TOS? So they'll do a bit of TOS, and then someone goes, shall we do a bit of Voyager? And they do a bit of Voyager, and yeah, then someone goes, that. oh, let's throw a bit of DS9 in. <laughs> and it just goes like that. It and they just keep referencing every, all sorts because of it. It doesn't surprise me at all, and you can definitely see that. Like, they've obviously got a very well, good... Probably well, he, had, man he officially made Star Trek become became a, me a measurement last night. Because he was talking about what we've got to come with Lower Decks, and he went, oh, we've got at least 100 Star Treks coming in in the last <laughs> six episodes. <laughs> so... Whatever a hundred Star Treks is, but Star Trek is now a measurement. <laughs> I'll take that, yeah. And nice. I, I think that as the showrunner, I think Mike McMahon's obviously doing a good job because, like you say, they're throwing all these things out. Let's have a bit of this. Let's have a bit of that. Yeah. But, but there's obviously someone <coughs> behind the scenes who is saying, right, okay, but it's still got to fit into a story and it's still got to be cohesive and... It can't just be references, otherwise it yeah. ends up being rubbish. Like then, when they went through that phase of doing them films like Date Movie and Disaster Movie, and they they were sort of yeah. spun off from Scary Movie, which the first one wasn't bad, but then you ended up getting these ones where there weren't even jokes in it. It was just like, oh, let's just put a scene from The Hunger Games in it because you know The Hunger Games is a thing. And you risk yeah. doing that when all you do is reference popular culture or all you do is reference your own show, but they've not fallen for that in Lower Decks. They, what the yeah, they've been, they they've been very clever how they're using the Easter eggs yeah. and, the, and, the, and referencing their own pop culture. Definitely. I think the best thing with it is is so that someone who gets every single reference like us, like, you know, we, we I think, think pretty much nail all the references... We can enjoy it on that level, but anyone who's just watching it cold, I mean, maybe some episodes are not completely cold, but like if you're generally a fair weather track watcher, you could still enjoy an episode of Lower Decks. Yeah. yeah. And it still makes sense. The references yeah. aren't obtrusive. Well, like, yes, yeah. in point, the very start of this episode, you've got them all going to do the, I'll call it Riker Jitsu on the holodeck because that, you know, the this spot was from that episode with Riker and his dad. The Icarus Factor. The Icarus Factor, that's the one. And like you say, Squeeze, someone watching that, you don't have to know that to understand the situation, that the joke is that Mariner beats them up even though they think that they're going to get the drop on her. But for someone who does understand it, you watch it and go, oh, that's from the Icarus Factor. So yeah. You know, that's a perfect example of how you can do it unobtrusively. The only thing I was going to ask you guys, and uh, this is just my feeling, I wish I'd had time to watch this back, but, like, with all the um, Trek Day stuff, I kind of just spent today watching that and just had another chance this week. But the one thing I did feel about this episode, which I don't usually on Lower Decks, usually I've enjoyed every kind of, like, minute of it so far. This one I did find it was a bit... It's almost like they'd taken the reference that people had said of like, uh, oh, it's like Star Trek meets Rick, Rick and Morty, and mm. they'd gone with that because there was a few gross-out moments on this. Like, there was a few bits well, of blood and well, this is a... and stuff like that, which to me didn't feel as Trek as usual. Well, I think well, they usually hit the mark of Trek really well. I, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, you know how you get your adult rating, ratings, like PG or 12 or 15? Yeah. This episode is the highest-rated episode of Star Trek ever. And it's been rated as a 16 plus. 
But this is what I mean. I just, I felt like a few of those things, I get it. Like, read, like, I'm yeah, sorry, some um, of them were going to... can be a bit more naughty and a bit more kind of suggestive, but I felt they just went a little far with that tone so they just... Well, well they have this, like, like the realities. Um, when this goes out to terrestrial TV, they'll look at the highest rated episode of where, of what time slots to go out on. Yeah. So now, uh, lower decks, it'll like if it follows the trend, it'll get picked up by E4. It's not going to be able to go out in the UK till after 9 pm. Yeah, yeah, and up it, until now, it's got because of one episode having a 16 plus has put it above the nine o'clock slot. Yeah, I just, I mean, it was still an, in, an enjoyable episode in places, there were still some nice moments. It just, it's the first one where it felt it was like. Is, is that really trick? That's the first time I've had to question that well, in this well, show. I think rightly so. It's like, and, and that's reflected in its rating. Yeah. That it, it's gone, it, it has, I think, arguably gone too far. To, like, we know that uh, Mike McMahon is involved in Rick and Morty, but he has, has to realise there are two different shows. Rick and Morty is an adult yes. cartoon. Yeah. Lower yeah. Decks... I Lower Decks, fair enough, it's made for it, the adult audience, but they still want the young audience with Star Trek, and Star Trek should be able to appeal and be watched by yeah. all age I, I, groups. I, I feel like up until now, they brought the kind of like funny, <coughs> wacky sensibility and the high um, sci-fi concepts from Rick and Morty, which fit nicely in with this show and still kept that Star Trek feel. When you add the kind of gross-out bits, which work perfectly in Rick and Morty, I don't mind those things as such, but I want my Trek to feel like Trek. Yeah. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, and I can see, yeah, there are, there are a few bits that cross the yeah, line. they went maybe. over the line a couple of times. I don't, And I don't think it was the part, part with the blood where they've gone over the line. No, do you think it was the Megatos mm. shagging? Yeah, well, yeah, not, not even so much the Megato's shagging, but the voyeurism with it. <laughs> yes. It's like the, the violence was quite graphic for a cartoon. Again, I don't mind that in some cartoons. I just don't want to my Star Trek. I just don't feel you've got to be that gory in Star Trek. I, I no, there yeah. was a lot of this, you've broke your arm, and they've not just broke their arm, they've got bones hanging out. and Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean... It, it was probably the episode I've enjoyed least this season, and I don't know. I've not well, thought I, I think, about it I enough. Think this, this probably arguably has the weakest B-plot we've seen so far from Lower Decks. Yeah, with the Tendi and the Doctor. Yeah. Cool scans. Yeah, I thought, like, all of the Doctor business seemed to be just building up to so she could run around in the Jeffrey's tubes at the end. Yeah. Which, to me, just felt well, I think like... There's, I think there's actually a bit of character growth there as well, like she's asserting herself. Because you see early Pretendi, on that yeah. um, someone barges into her out the way and takes over her patient. And I think it's also that little bit of character growth. Because you saw it at the end where she tries to assert herself. Yeah, but there's a million and one ways you could have done that. See, yeah. Oh, it, no. It just feels... It, it's a very weak B story. <laughs> it just well, feels like... 
Um, last week we had the bit where she gets the box and she just rolls around in the box like cats do. And that was funny, and it, it felt like they were just doing the same joke again, but it would just, you know, it's like, oh, she runs around like a cat in the Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. Yeah, I think between that and also, to be honest, the age story was a bit lazy, it felt. It's like, you know, it was a bit on the nose, them being kind of scared of, um, of Mariner, and Mariner then being offended by that, and then, oh, no, I like this about you. No, I like this about you. It just it seemed a bit too cliche. They, It's like they'd spent all their time on the gross-out jokes, mm. which don't really fit in Star Trek. Well, and they're also doing... time into uh, doing an artful story. Yeah, they're also doing, like, changing dynamic again, weren't they? Where mm. This one was Boimler Rutherford very much so. Like, I know Mariner was there, but Mariner was almost a side character. Yeah. She... Like she's created this story about herself, and it and it literally alienated them from her as well. So she was very much pushed to the side. All story. Yeah, I liked um, Boimler and Rutherford though, and I, I liked them sort of playing this weird strategy game. And <laughs> yeah, then yeah, yeah, that, I enjoyed that. Then that comes back at the end with how they sort it out with the Ferengi, which I thought was <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was pretty cool, and I, I like it how it. They come in with a Kirk's bazooka from Arena, but it turns out it's yeah. actually a projector, and they've worked out a financial <laughs> financial plan for the Ferengi. So I quite like that. I like the the payoff to it. That, and that's beautifully. That does feel beautifully Star Trek. It it hits that sense of humour of like uh, he's such a nerd. The way he would solve his yay diplomacy, like it's it's yeah. kind of making fun of Star Trek whilst being Star Trek. That fits yeah. very nicely. That's what. That is in the zone for this show. Mm. That's what it should be. Uh, that's why it was kind of my favourite bit. And I love the fact anytime they show the Marauder-style uh, um, uh, Ferengi, I really love that. And I really kind of wish the <coughs> other shows had shown that side of Ferengi more. Yeah. Like, you can have two casts of Ferengis. It's fine to have the com more comical quark mode, but I like the uh, more kind of aggressive... Where they've know, got the um, whips. Like, yeah. I did like where, I did like where Mariner's talking to the one where she's in... When she's locked up in cell and she goes, um, you're very much like something from the last outpost, which is like yeah. referencing where they came from. Yeah. Um, haven't you heard of Quark? And Quark happens to have played the Ferengi in the last outpost uh, as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Very. Loud. I thought it was quite a, a, a nice little meta joke. How mm, he's referencing. I thought maybe. I don't know, because I do quite like the meta humour, but. But you've got to be careful with it because whatever they say that's a metatextual reference has still got to be a believable thing that that character could say. And yeah. so when you get, like, Mariner referencing Gary Mitchell and things like that, you're like, oh, fair enough, she might know about Gary Mitchell. It's very unlikely that she would say, I use some sort of last outpost throwback Ferengi. Yeah. Like, I know technically it was the last outpost of the Tukong Empire, and so... Yeah. You're almost, but you that's really, really crossing the line over into that's just a real-world comment on it, is this, you know? Yeah, and again, that's a really good example of something in Rick and Morty they can get away with. Yeah, They're yeah. They're making jokes. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we can get a whole series out of this. They'll make that kind of joke, and it fits that show. It doesn't fit here. I, I agree. Yeah, it was just it just crosses that little line over into yeah. No one in that world would say that thing because you would have to know, 
you would have to understand Star Trek as a work of fiction, you know. It, it's pretty yeah. much the sort of humour that Deadpool uses, and he can get away with it because he knows he's fictional, you know, but... Yeah. It's, it's a cusp called breaking the fourth wall. I mean, yeah. they did it really well in Boston Legal with uh, Shatner and um, uh, Spader, and they were really good at that, and, and it fitted that show, but it just it's got to be the right show for it. Yeah. But no, I mean, there were things I did like in this episode. Like, there's... There's so much little incidental detail, like the alien guy's got the alien equivalent of fluffy dice in the cockpit of the ship. You know, just little things like that. It's brilliant. Yeah, um, I thought it was a bit gross how uh, Sax was tracking the Megato. Oh, he's yeah. fresh dung and oh, it's still tangy. <laughs> yeah, and he's still carrying on eating it. Um, yeah, yeah, weird. Mind, I Again, think... that for me is, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It just doesn't really... Fit. I think we might I did be like the uh, twist, I did like the Tellerite Hunter, though, with it where, where that they found, and it, it, like, sounded Australian, and it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I've read, um, I've read five books on Megato. It isn't that I've written... <laughs> it wasn't I've written five books, it's I've read five books. Yeah. And the next minute he gets eaten by one, which I thought was... Yeah, that that's quite clever. That's funny, is that? It, I've just read about something I don't really know. Yeah, it felt to me like that was a reference to something that I just didn't understand. That that character seemed so... Um, what's the word? Sort of archetypal. That yeah. I felt what? like, you know, is this meant to be Steve Irwin or someone? Do you know what I mean? It felt like it was meant to be a parody of somebody we should know, but I, I can't... I, I'm sure it is meant it. to be a parody of someone. I don't think it's Steve Irwin. No. Because Steve Irwin did actually know animals, but... What it reminds it, me it, a little bit, in um, Doctor Who, and I, I did, I'm sure this wasn't the reference, but it reminds me of in Doctor Who, you had um, the Sontaran, and there was one guy who played the Sontarans in quite a few of the classic episodes mm. who had a really thick Australian accent, and I think it might have been some kind of nod to people playing an alien character and having a really strong accent. I... That has been seen in... I'm sure there's examples oh, in yeah, yeah. as there were in the years I've seen. So I think there might have been something of that, but I think you're right, there's some reference I didn't quite get there either. Yeah, so if anyone knows what the reference was, yeah. we're, we're happy to be educated yeah. on that one. So the Megato's shagging against the tree then, and then the one who's watching and having what I suppose is the horn wank? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just. I yeah, mean, I laughed. It, it I'll was, be honest. I did laugh. But... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I laughed. It, it was funny, but it wasn't. It, it, it that isn't Star Trek. No, it's not. Yeah. It, it, that was that was Rick and Morty, and that and it that I I've no problem with that with watching someone like that, and I found it a funny scene, mm. but it isn't a Star. A part of Star Trek. Let's give an example. Look, it's not a show I watch, but like if I was into Downtown, Town Ab Downtown Abbey, if a character some, suddenly ran past the screen wanking, yeah, I'd laugh. It doesn't mean I think it fits in the show. <laughs> yeah, very <Yeah>. true. <laughs> it's always going to be funny, no matter which show you put in. Doesn't mean it yeah. fits. Yeah, yeah, that's no, it. I it, think... it. Just it just didn't. It did just didn't seem right. No, it, like it's... I think I think if they just got away with like the Megato shaggy, 
I think you could have got away with that where they were hiding in the log and this is going on against the log that they're hiding in. I think that would have probably worked better. But when you put the third regatta in there, that's, that's I mean... And then they have that... The horn one. They have that... Then, the, then they all tie it out, even the one who's into watching. Yeah. <laughs> just quickly, James. Just quickly, James. In case anyone's watching and they want to comment on this, hashtag horn wank. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take that. We'll, we'll take responsibility for that one. But, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it was funny, but you're right, tonally, it's just not there at all. Um, I quite enjoyed the bartender who's telling the stories, but this yeah. reminded me of, and I don't know whether it's just his accent or whether it's deliberate. Um, you remember... The Pet Cemetery, the first one, the the one from the 80s, where it had Herman Munster yeah. playing the guy. Yeah. This guy's whole accent and delivery and everything just really reminds me of that. It's like, hey, oh, to well, be fair, I'll tell to be you fair, the story. I've, I've, I've worked in a lot of pubs over the years, and I've worked in some country pubs, and it, this really reminds me of some of the barmen that I have worked with. How... <laughs> You tell them something in secret or and all that, and then next minute it's everyone knows it. Hey, oh, yeah. I heard this, and I'll tell you that. Oh, I loved <laughs> and, it, and I... And, and I just thought, yeah, that bar, barman do that. You have nailed it. That is what a barman does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you're at the other side of the bar and you go in, you're just like ordering a quiet pint. Someone's like. Did you hear this? And I just love the, the undercutting of it with the voice from the outback. Carl, I asked those lines half an hour ago, for God's sake. You know, yeah. just going up into the story. Perfect. That was totally, perfectly brilliant kind of little yeah. comic moment. No, absolutely. Um, what else? What else in this one? Um, I did like that we had the Danubians at the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like that when they got um, scared that they puffed the face up. Yes, yeah, that was a, a Dr. Flox thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I do quite like, like the idea. The, like, like there's, some, there's some really nice bits in the episode, but there's some bits that don't belong there. The B story was as weak as. Yeah. And it just... I've got to say, this is probably one of my least favourite of the of the Lower Decks episodes because of it. Yeah, I'd go with that. I don't think it was as... I don't think it... I don't, it, it isn't a weak, weak episode, like, when you go back to, like, looking at really rubbish episodes, Justice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to me, even the, the A story wasn't that strong. I would have just taken those elements of the Frengi and had... Uh, I, I like the buddy moments between Bella <coughs> and... Um, Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford. I love that. You could have just put that front and centre, had the idea of them playing the diplomacy game. You have a Mariner being the kind of cheeky imp that she is and, like, messing everything up, and then they have to save it with diplomacy, and she learns a little lesson. It's a nice little Star yeah. Trek story in there. That was at the heart of this for me. And, again, those um, wonderful out, um, outpost Ferengis, they, they're great. You should show more Marauder Ferengis. That is an untapped thing in Star Trek. I really wish they'd bring into um, live-action Star Trek more that side of the culture. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I was thinking about this, and, like, I know Picard's say in front of this, but I wonder if at some point we're going to see more live-action shows set around this time, and if they'll actually 
bring any of these characters in as live action anywhere. I'd love to see that. I, I, I really enjoy it when they do stuff like that. And uh, again... Like, like, I, like, we know that Picard's off to be time travel. What if, like, one, one of the little time travel jumps is only maybe 10 years or so backwards? Mm. And they just do a set and they have the, the actors that are playing these characters there for this one yeah, set. Yeah, that'd be great. It doesn't have to be big, but... No, like, what a fan service that would be. Oh, it would be great. And, you know, like, we're, we're seeing a little bit of that in the, the Star Wars franchise at the minute, where they've had these characters that have always been animated, like uh, Ahsoka Tano and Grand Admiral Thrans on his way, and to yeah. to get them yeah. in live action, I think it's really, really cool. And so, yeah, I'd definitely be up for, up for seeing something like that, but... I don't know. I don't know if we'd get it in Picard. It looks the tone of Picard. Maybe not looks Picard. Maybe, maybe not Picard. But like, I'm sure that uh, what we have now is at the end of Trek. I'm sure that as one comes, that maybe five shows is what they want. But as one comes to an end, another one will be coming yeah. in. And I think we've got. A, I think we've got a long, long time of Trek. I mean, going back to the Rick and Morty comparisons, recently they've had that advert where they've had Christopher Lloyd playing the live action yeah trick. well that, that's what got me thinking about and it I wonder if any of these will there's, be there's nothing to say yeah. that in the middle of an episode of Lower Decks someone can't zap them with a reality bending ray or something <laughs> and it can make them into live action for five minutes you can do something like that yeah speaking of special rays though I did enjoy the reference to the tractor beam, and they said we fired it at the lowest tractor factor. Yeah, <laughs> I like that we're establishing that there's different levels of tractorage. Yeah, 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 that's great. And do you know, on, on your point about kind of uh, real life characters going into or animated characters going into real life and kind of that kind of crossover does, thing, the one I've always anyone... wanted to see. I know this isn't Star Trek, but just for a second. The one I've always wanted to see is in a Batman film. I just want a serious live-action Batman film. Someone goes like, hey, Chief Howard, can you take care of that? Yeah, sure, no thing, guys. No problem, guys. And just, just one line, something like that, just to reference yeah. him. I've always yeah. wanted it. Sorry, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Does anyone know what species um, that smuggler or whatever it was who had the shuttle trap? No. Like, I've, I've seen one show and they said, oh, they think he's a Benzai. And they put a picture of a Benzite up next to it, and it's like, no, no nothing like, not even, not the same colour, the ridges aren't in the same place or anything. No, didn't recognise him at all, to be honest. He no. looks totally new to me. Shall we move on then and talk about all the trailers, which is what we really want to get our, our teeth stuck into? First bit, yes. First bit of news, though, is that Discovery's coming in November, November the 18th, in fact. Yeah. Which means that uh, well, Prodigy and Discovery well, are going to overlap. Prodigy is starting on October the 28th. Yeah. Um, I've got a feeling that means that we have one week between the end of Lower Decks and the beginning of Prodigy. We actually have a week of no Star Trek. Yeah. No new Star Trek. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, but... Like you said, that does mean that Discovery and uh, Prodigy are going to be running at the same time. Yeah. I wonder if that's maybe because they decided that it's a 
animated it's going out on Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah, it's two different markets completely. Yeah. Also, there's there's two things with that. One is, like, we're we're about to talk uh, some Star Trek on uh, Squeefest the third. So we're going to have that uh, talk about Endgame just to fill that gap there, I think, quite beautifully, quite frankly. There we and, go. Uh, Enough of my plugging my own shit, but like uh, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, just because I, I feel like we've, we're going to probably spend the less time on Discovery because there's less <coughs> announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Alexander, who they had on the panel when they were talking about Discovery, I love his look. Like, you know, the, the one thing they brought in is uh, more non-binary characters and more LGBTQ representation. I think he is the first one. I'm going to say this. This is quite a big statement. But he is the first person since Bowie to be that androgynous looking. And really, like, if you saw them and you didn't know what gender they were, and, like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what gender Ian Alexander uh, identifies as or non-binary, but it's the most kind of, like, non-binary look, like, just this just quite beautiful-looking person that I've ever seen since Bowie. I think just his look is amazing. Just the uh, dress he came out in, he just looked mm. amazing. Oh, sorry, they. I Sorry, I don't know. No, it's, uh, I, believe, I, I believe it's he... For Ian Alexander, uh, I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong, but uh, me too. But yeah, he's definitely got a distinct style. Yeah. So other thing, um, Discovery. So it's going to overlap with Prodigy, but that that's about all we know really. We got that teaser trailer a while ago. Um, we we found out as well that Picard is going to be released in February. Yes. Yes. Ended. So I, I I was looking at my calendar and trying to work it out, and I think as if Picard starts at the beginning of February, we get one week free as well after Discovery. <laughs> well, yeah, Discovery's a shorter season this year. I think it's only going to be ten episodes. So yeah, it'll line up reasonably well for them to yeah switch over. Uh, we got the second half of the season trailer for Lower Decks. Not a huge amount we want to go into, so we're going to be covering them pretty quickly. Yeah, um, um, like, hold our hands up, or my hands up, because I've done the editing for all the video clips that we're about to see. Um, getting to bed at half four this morning, got to sleep maybe five o'clock-ish. I've literally not had time to do to get all, no, all the clips from the Lower Decks trailer done exactly. by the time we do shooting this show. And we're going to be covering <laughs> it in coming weeks anyway. One thing yeah. I did spot in it, though, that I want to just mention quickly is one of my uh, big complaints that I've had on a few occasions as we've talked about Star Trek over the course of the show is that we don't see enough of the refit Constitution-class ships. We only ever see it in the movies and only ever as the Enterprise. And there you go, Lower Decks decides to put one in there, so I feel like that's redressed a gap that was there in Star Trek lore. So thank you, Lower Decks, for bringing back the refit Constitution. Right then. Yeah. Shall we do... Shall we start with with, uh, Strange New Worlds? Yes. Yeah, the cast we'll... out. Like, we didn't get a trailer. We're going to so do one trailer. day. It's coming. But it's the, coming. Build, the building, the excitement up. But, like, I was, I've been thinking about this today. And I was, like, so disappointed at the end of Star Trek Day early this morning that I didn't get a trailer. And then I've had a bit of sleep. And I thought, then woke up and I thought about it and thinking, if they'd released a trailer for that, it'd have stolen some of the thunder 
from the shows that are coming out before it. Yeah, absolutely. I just think a teaser could have gone in. That's just me. Yeah, a teaser could have been, but we, we've kind I, of got I, that. I just want to say, clips. I just want to say about um, them showing these cast for Strange New Worlds that several months ago, when they first showed us stuff, I nailed this. You did, yes, you did, <laughs> and I, I was sceptical, but you were absolutely right. <laughs> this is um, the new Doctor from Strange Doctor New Mabinga. Worlds. Dr. Mabenga, or Binga, who... Who we, who we saw who we saw in um, A Private Little War. We did, and I think... Which is of... quite uh, apt, because we've just covered Megato Gamato, yep. where the Megatos were seen. Absolutely. <laughs> and... Um... Was he a character from the original series, sorry? Yes, yeah, he yes. in a couple of episodes. Yeah. He was... It, it wasn't in many, but, like, when, when they've showed us, the, like, the actors, and they all had... Um, like who they were going to play, but it wasn't the real character names at the time when it was released. No, originally, and like there was loads of these YouTube channels all over the place, and they're all going, "Oh, there wasn't a African American Doctor in the original series. Uh, it should have been Bones." And I can't remember the name of the Doctor from uh, the Cage. Doctor Boyce, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, people were going. It should have been Doctor <laughs> Boyce. Where they got this? Doctor from, and I was straight away. What about Doctor Mibinga from A Private Little War? And you were right. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. But the thing is, he's not the main. He's um, like second in command to Bones. So is he going to be the chief medical officer? And if so, is he going to get struck off by the end of the series for Bones to come in? And also, I I just love to see one scene with uh, like the. The named Doctor, sorry, I've, I've gone already from when he's just said it, second guy, James, but the one from the cage, it would be nice to just see him, like, even if he was just retiring, just, like, just to see him on screen, yeah. just a nice little, yeah. little continuity note. That's all I want. I don't I don't care which Doctor they've got in there as long as they give me a good character, and it's great they've given that fan service by well, bringing I'm, an original series character. I'm wondering if Mabenga might not be the main Doctor, you know, much as in, in Discovery we've well, got characters who are not the chief of the department but are still yeah. featured main Well, it, it, it was a department... Like, McCoy was the chief medical officer in charge of all of it. But you ha you'd you have had chiefs of department. True. Different different <laughs> specialists. And we didn't see Mbengo very often in the original series, so there's always the ch chance that... He transferred off the Enterprise and was maybe just on route somewhere yeah. else at the time of a private oh, little yeah. I'm sure we'll find out. But it's lovely that instead of them them saying, right, let's invent a new Doctor, they, they've actually pulled something that's there that's canonical and gone, yes. let's use that guy. And let's yeah. be honest, well, I, I... we know next to nothing about him, so he's a, he, he is a blank canvas for them to do whatever they want. I just love the idea of having a little bit of a... Like they did in Voyager. When when Voyager starts, you've got a completely different crew. You start meeting characters and go, oh, that guy's interesting. Dead. And then they bring yeah. in the emergency medical hologram, for instance. It would be lovely to do that bait and switch with... I, even though we we know which characters are coming in because of these announcements, it would be nice to just chuck that in with the... Uh, the other yeah, true. And then we've got Rebecca Romaner's number one, who, as we know, has officially got the name Una now, which came from the novels. And 
Again, yeah. I like it when they do like, that, where they establish something as canon that we've always accepted as canon. But yeah, I think it's I think it's nice that in like a lot of this new Trek, they are starting to ref to use things that have come from the novels and the extended yeah. universe. Exactly, like the the look of the Titan and everything as well. Yeah. Um, she's rocking a new uniform though, as are they all in the trailer. First of all, really yeah. expensive. You've spent all that money in Discovery Season 2 making these new uniforms and now you're doing it again. But these... Ah, but that was Discovery's budget. They've True. got their own budget now and for these, costumes. These do look more in line with the cage and where no man has gone before. You know, they, the colours yeah. aren't quite as vibrant. It's a little bit toned down blue, toned down yellow. And style, the apart from number one's there, because she has a jacket in the cage, doesn't she? So maybe that's a reference to that, that she's got this high collar. Um, yeah. But uh, they've got the rounded neck on the shirts, which yeah. they had in the original series. So I feel like what they're yeah, doing I... is moving back towards that. Yeah, I love it when they do this. You see, this is what I... Um, I don't mind them slightly changing, like in the... Uh... The reboot movies of the original series. I like the fact that they've kind of gone for uniforms which have the feel of the original. They're not exactly the same. They're using their own style. That's fine. I like it when they do that. Like it doesn't have to be slavishly the same. Yeah. But give us that feeling. It's nice. Yeah. And I think that's where they're going. Another callback to the original series then is Nurse Christine (sighs) Chapel. And what I think's incredible about this, and it's only something like Star Trek where you could do this, we've got two actresses. We've got Jess Bush and we've got Rebecca Romaine playing two distinct characters, both of whom were played by Majel Roddenberry, uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry in the original. So these two characters could not have appeared on screen together in the 60s, (laughs) but now they can. Yeah. I, I, I want to reference that. I just want them to be, like, in the same room, wearing the same outfit, and it's like, hey, you guys look the same. Like, yeah. just, just well, give me one joke. Just give me one joke. They the did say that they do have scenes together. Yeah. Uh, this It was actually mentioned during the panel last night. They, they did say that, but it's amazing that they can do this with... with yeah. Uh, and there I, I is... love just discovering this with you guys because I haven't like this. I haven't got this far into Star Trek days. So this is lovely <laughs> to watch this live. It's there is um, in one of the New Frontier novels, or in several of them actually. Uh, Peter David introduces this character who is variously described as looking like Nurse Chapel and looking like Luxana Troy and looking like Number One and everything and. It, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he intended for this character to be played by Majel Barrett and he, he, I think he does something to try and address why so many people in the universe look like her, but we never know. Oh, it's and it's then, so sweet as well to give that nod to Majel yeah. Barrett, who was such a major part of Star Trek all the Nailed this year. one as well. Yes. I mean, again, I didn't think they were going to do an, another horror at this stage, but there she is. As a cadet, um, which, you know, makes sense canonically. I know people will say, well, she wanted No Man Has Gone Where No Man's Gone. Neither was Bones. Get over it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She can have been (laughs) on the Enterprise before that, and she's a cadet, so she's filling a similar role to Tilly. Um, Great, great idea, bringing her in. 
Um, yeah, they've, they've, they also did it in a in one of the books. They had uh, Kirk first going on the Enterprise and taking over from um, from Pike. Yeah, and they had all those characters already there, and you need that. Like, you want to get that well, feeling that when Kirk it, goes on to like, there, he has a handover from yeah. From um, Kirk, Kirk hasn't transferred to the Enterprise as the captain and brought four hundred and fifty people with him. No, this is it. He, he's in he's inheriting a crew. He will bring. A few new people with him. Yeah. But it won't be massive. There's probably all, like, I dare say when Kirk became captain, there's maybe at most a dozen new crew members yeah, exactly. joined at the same time. Like, you don't get, uh, you you don't have a new manager take over a football team and the first game there, it's a brand new starting eleven. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. But, yeah, I'm... The thing that we really want as well is, surely we want that moment in the last episode... We want that moment where, like, whatever happens to, to Pike at the end, like, however they play that out, and then you want Kirk to come on the bridge in the last episode yes. to meet his crew already there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And... Absolute, I, I, like, Strange New Worlds has a, a perfect life, doesn't it, of five years, so five seasons, can have its things, and it has a perfect ending. It's already there for it. Of Pike hands over to Kirk. Yeah. And whether it's de-aged Bill Shatner, whether it's Chris Pine, whether it's somebody new, whether you just see the back of his head, <coughs> it, yeah, that's... Whether it's... Whether it's superimposed from the original series. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Like For it, me, I like the idea of back of the head so you don't steal the thunder from yeah. the show, but it, it, it then becomes what they did with Star Trek... Oh, sorry, Star Wars... Of now you can have like you can watch Rogue One just before uh, episode yeah. four, and it just is a beautiful arc. I I want that feeling with this that you could watch through Strange New Worlds, go straight into the original series, and it's seamless. Yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Then the well, new... that's how it has to end. These are these are three new characters okay. now. So first of all, this I thought was an Andorian at first, but looking I, closer, it's... it's not. It's an Anar. Yeah, which are the ice Sandorians, aren't they? Yeah, the white yeah. ones. Um, the white which, ones that we got introduced to in Enterprise. Which, first of all, Anas sounds a bit rude. Um, surprised Lower Decks haven't done a joke about it. But secondly, not from a great episode of Enterprise. So why they've picked these fellas, I have no idea. Well, actually, the, actually they occurred through a, a few episodes of Enterprise. They did? This yeah, is... I suggest I, I was just gonna very quickly say it's like what they do really well now in these shows is having um they reclaim like they don't yeah. kind of with the Avengers and stuff, they reclaim some of the worst movies in the Avengers by referencing them yeah. in a really cool way. And then you want to go back and see those things. Like they have the Dark World was the, the time they jumped back to in Avengers yeah. Endgame. I think you can do the same here, like you reclaim those characters, so then the original yeah. Mm -hmm. outings which weren't that good seem better in comparison. Yeah, I'm up for that. It's a good idea. Um, this one's really interesting. This is Laan Noonien Singh, which is a very familiar surname there. I always thought yeah. Noonien, I always thought Noonien was his middle name and Singh was his surname because they do refer to him as just Khan Singh at times, so I'm not sure if this yeah. is a new hyphenate. Unless this is just the biggest bait and switch of all time, and this is 
someone whose parents were called Noonien and Singh and she's just got a double barrel name and it's a tool. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it, it, it does uh, scream what's going on here, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Now, if any of you remember, and there's no reason you should, and there's no reason anyone should, the Star Trek fan production Renegades featuring yeah. Manu Interreme, um uh, Tim Ross, Tim Ross, and so on and so on, featured a character who was the daughter of Khan Noonien Singh. So I'm not suggesting that we're making Renegades canonical, and we absolutely mm-hmm. should not. But I think we're maybe exploring a similar idea. Um, presumably this is a, a descendant of Khan. Presumably, it is a great, 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 great granddaughter or yeah. something like that. Now, why wouldn't she drop the surname? Like, you know, considering what because, we know uh, of Khan. Because, uh, because, uh, like. Don't try and justify it, this one, Elliot. How no, many people space, called it Lizzie? They had to look back to it. And it's almost yeah. like a hidden part of. Uh, Earth history, isn't it? Ah, okay, so, okay. So, so, like, she's she's just got a surname, and like we all recognise the relevance of a surname, but she might be totally mm, possibly oblivious to what the relevance is. Possibly. And don't forget, this is this is set several years before before Can's rediscovered. Can's yeah. even rediscovered. So yeah, there's no possibly. reason for her to have any sort of. In fact, what's wrong with my dad? I like the idea that basically she, um, like it's seen as, I get the feeling in this time zone, probably the idea of being genetically engineered is still isn't seen as cool. But the extent of what happened probably isn't known or like the fact that Khan was this big bad. So I think she, you could play some interesting storylines of her being ostracized because of something that's not, not nothing of her fault yeah. without going down into the deep, that, that's what I'm wondering is, is she going to be conscious of the fact that her ancestor is basically Hitler or is she not going to be aware of that? And um, Yeah, it, it's... Uh, is, is, the, is the superior genetics, has that passed down this many generations that she's something beyond a regular human? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Put, like... I'm trying to think. Is she the one that's played a security officer? Well, she's in red. So she may. She, so she could have um, some of those genetic yeah. traits. Interesting. Definitely interesting finding out there. And then the last new cast member, Melissa Navia. Don't rec- I don't think that's a reference. I think this is a totally new character. Yeah. I don't know the actress um, either, so I, I ha- I've got I nothing I, on I this don't, one. I haven't got it on here, but there's a lovely part of this just after, like, this clip, and they keep filming her when she sort of said who she's playing. And she sat down and she goes, yes, finally I've been able to tell people. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and it's been one of those things that they've not, like... They were saying it's been really easy because COVID has made it easier for them to keep things secret but normal. Yeah, but now we've yeah. got to go out in the real world, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I've, I've got to say, it's, it's really nice to have actually at least one character, which is just new. Like, I love all this lore and bringing all this mythos yeah. into it, but you've got to have one character which we just don't know anything about. Yeah, exactly. History or baggage. Exactly. So, yeah, um, it's looking looking like a good cast. A lot of fresh faces, as in, you know, the, the none of the actors are particularly well-known, so it's going to be really interesting to see new, yeah. new actors take on new characters and have a lot of fun with it. And then you've got Anson Mount just anchoring it. I've said this before, but I genuinely think if they can maintain the level of writing that they did for Pike in Discovery, and if he can continue to knock it out of the park like he did, I think Pike may become like the definitive Star Trek captain. I think it, it's got that much potential. It, it, it has got that potential. <laughs> so I'm he's very such excited. He's nice such a likable, nice guy. He's amazing. Like, yeah. you know, his performance is great. And yeah. from one great captain then to another, let's take a look at what we're seeing from Picard. So mm. as we know, we've got Q. And, yeah, we're getting a, more of a hint of what the the actual story's going to be now. Obviously, the, the early trailers alluded to it being about time. But it look, we speculated on all sorts of things. Well, it looks like we're getting a fairly standard time travel story, really. Well, well it, it says in the trailer, like, obviously, because uh, we don't want another copyright strike. I've had my copyright strike for today. So we haven't put sound in, and we've cut them down to sort of 10 to 14 second clips. <laughs> um, but it, it does say, actually, in it, that... Um, Q has gone back and changed something to make yeah. the Federation a totalitarian state. So what? Can, why... I, can I just say? I'm oh, sorry. Just just from that clip, it's just nice to see Q do the clip. Yes. Like, just, just, well, like... well, well. As it goes, like Q goes to him, he goes, um, "Do you remember what what I said last time we met? That um, the trial never ends." And Picard goes, "I'm getting far too old for your bull." <laughs> And it cuts yeah. to Q going yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. And I, I totally buy that from Picard. It's like, yeah, when I was a younger man, I had a bit of a laugh with this, but will you just piss off now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in the mood. Um, Yeah, so why would... I mean, maybe it's just the way it's phrased in the trailer, but Q wouldn't need to travel back in time to change something. He would just change something. Well, I mean, I think things... I think that's the challenge because, like, it's on about them growing as a species, isn't it? Mm. As all the things, it, it like in all all good things, the challenge was that something <laughs> that happens in the future has affected the past, understanding and um, paradoxes of time travel. Yeah, and now it's understand, and now it's got to understand how. Changing one thing can alter the future. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's uh, a few things... And then you, you've got to go change whatever it is. Picard's back. already nailed that. He's done time travel I mean, before. I, I, I like the fact that you've got, like, it feels like, as opposed to going to the mirror universe, our universe has become the mirror universe. That's yeah. a nice yeah. thing. I like the idea of something that Trek's done historically quite a bit like so you've done it with uh, a voyager episode you've done it with uh, star trek 4 
you've got the idea of traveling back through our time, which is always a nice mm. little thing to see our characters in our time and like how they cope with that. There's some wonderful things. I just really hope that I don't like people who say it's like as if it's a new thing. It's like, oh, they're, they're doing social issues. And yeah, yeah, time. yeah. Like, of course, they've always done it in Star Trek. However, this is the first time I felt a little bit nervous. Like, please don't hit the nail too hard on the head with that. Uh, that of, thought, like, if we're not careful, we're going down a dark path. That yeah. thought did cross my mind. Um, but what what I think could be interesting about it is that previously when we've done these stories, like City on the Edge of Forever, it's a major thing. It's Edith Keeler dies, so therefore Germany win the World War. So it's a major, major thing that causes this dark future. Thinking about the world today, and this is a very depressing thought, really, but I think society at the minute doesn't need a major upheaval for us to head in this direction. It yeah. just needs a tiny little push. And I wonder if that's going to be where we're going, but... In what, it just needs to, it just needs it, it just needs another thousand Americans taking out Austin Wormer. Yeah, I mean, th <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, quite literally, this story could be about it, that. What Q changes is the outcome of the twenty twenty American election, and I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt they'll go there, but and I, 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 I would. This is Star would, Trek. This is Star Trek yeah. in Hollywood. Um, in LA, going back to the 21st century, ooh, they could do that. They could do that, but <laughs> I, like you, Squee, I feel that I'd be a bit too on the nose. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't go too on the nose. It'd be nice if it was just something obscure. It's yeah. like, there's always been that thing of the butterfly effect. In yeah. Being just something really, like, to be fair, City on the Edge of Forever is very much that with Edith Keller. It is. She isn't an... She isn't actually important at that time. No, but you all can... she's doing is feeding some homeless people at that time. But you can see when she gets locked down. But it's what she went on to do. Yeah, you can see how it everything. would. You can see how it would lead there, though. She's still politically active and everything. But if the, it... the thing for me that oh sorry sorry Jim. no no go ahead. No, no, all I was going to say is, like, the thing for me is that uh, as much as I love this, again, it's a classic thing which they do in Star Trek of doing the uh, go back to our time. However, with Q episodes, it's always something personal to Picard. It's always mm. a reason why it's personal to him. I, I'd be interested to see, and I hope they do still keep that legacy, and how they do that with going back to our time seems a bit... that Again, that's one of the things which know. makes me a little yeah. bit nervous. Because Picard... Like Picard and Q, it's always got to be something personal to them, personal to why it yeah. matters to humanity. And I know part of it's like the pre-publicity. Obviously, they're not going to come out and say, oh, we're just doing another one of them time travel stories, you know, business as usual. They're obviously going to say, we're doing something you've never seen before and it's a different take on it. And But so far, this looks like City on the Edge of Forever. It looks like First Contact. It looks like you, your villain goes back in time, changes the past. It looks like um, the voyage home, going yeah. back to um, what we think of as present time. So, yeah, yeah I'm not... I don't know. I, I, I want to see where they go with it. I have every confidence that it is going to be something different. Because I, I honestly think Patrick Stewart particularly is that 
at that stage in his life, in his career, where if he really didn't like the story, he could say to him, you're rewriting this, you know? Yeah. Having said that, he let Series 1 of Picard go. Ah, I didn't mind Series 1. I'm hoping for an improvement, it, it, though. I, 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 think series, if, I think if you look at Series 1, from the point of view of Patrick Stewart as the actor playing the character... You can see why you went for that story. I of think looking at a different sure. side and development as I, an actor. I think yeah. series one, basically, I think Michael Chabon, who was the writer, showrunner, wanted to redeem Data's death. And the whole season was about that fireside chat between Picard and Data, which was wonderful. But yeah. there's so much else going on that didn't get wrapped up adequately that it just, yeah, it didn't all work. I, I look, I'm not going to pick apart series one, but all I'm going to say is I want the kind of improvement we saw between, like, the first series of Star Trek Next Generation oh, yeah. and, like, let's say the third. Uh, that kind it, of jump. What was it? Uh, I thought, found that funny last night watching um, Star Trek Day when they started introducing <laughs> the next generation and Will Re- Wheaton slagged off season one. <laughs> it's been, like... The worst thing ever. But that had justice, which was a Wesley episode. What's he talking about? <laughs> That's anyway. why. Yeah. What was amazing that he revealed last night was um, at the time of DS9 and Next Gen, he had a lot of um, jealous rivalry with Cyril Lofton. Oh, really? As the, as the child actor. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, yeah. but he was saying last night, uh, because of it, he's never watched DS9. Yeah, he's, he's, he's only just started watching DS9 last year. Yeah, <laughs> he's absolutely he, loving he wrote, it. He, and he looks back at it and he goes, it was a stupid thing. I was still a child at the time. And he had a stupid jealousy. Why yeah, I never watched if it. If you follow his blog post, he wrote a really good blog post about um, how he's watching DS9 and somebody's recommended a viewing order to him. And it's, it's really interesting reading. Anyway, the Borg Queen... So Picard says there are ways of travelling back in time. The implication in the way the trailer's edited is that it's something to do with the Borg Queen. I think that's a red I, herring. <laughs> I, I, was think, I was thinking, like, it's, it's a red herring, but it makes sense because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the only time travel episode Picard's been involved with was actually First Contact. Um, I no, don't. Think, I was... don't think we. I don't think we had any in next generation. Hey, in a light was. Memories. Oh no, no, in a light. Sorry, no. Um, what's the two parts of where Data's heads in the? Cave? Oh, time oh, arrow. Uh, time arrow. Time arrow. Time squared. He was involved in a bit of time travel in that cause and effect. Okay. Yeah. There's a yeah, few. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has done a lot of time I, travel. We did a Robin Hood technically. Series. I think yeah. I think the Borg Queen's going to p- play an important role, clearly, but I don't think she's going to be what makes them travel through time. I think we see what when they travel through time later in the trailer, which I'll um, I'll call out. But I, I want to see how the, only... the Borg Queen plays a role. I agree, but I think the only thing which makes me nervous is what they did in season one is they did a load of chucking elements mm-hmm. in from Star Trek going, hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? And then just poor using it. Yep. I don't want them to do that with a Borg Queen like she's an engine. No, I feel I, I just like... I it's not that. I feel like 
they need to address one of the big things that was left up in the air at the end of last season was what's going on with the X-Bogs. What's going on with yeah. Seven now that she's briefly reconnected? So hopefully this is a follow-up to all of that. Yeah. And we can see him, like, running around in the present day. We've got the classic, you don't know how to drive a car, but it turns out Seven can drive a car. Evidently, Tom, you know what? Tom Paris probably showed her how to drive a car because he liked his yeah. classic automobiles. Yep. Yeah. And, and I say she spent time on Voyager. Right at the end of the trailer, there's... The bit here where... Now, this part here with Q clicking his fingers again. Yeah. I think Q sort of... I I don't think they're aware of Q there. I think they're doing stuff. And Q's messing about with them even more and moving them around. Oh, no, no. You see, I don't think that... I think what it's going to be is that classic thing of, like, they'll be in the middle of something and then he'll just drop the newspaper and he's there. Like, you know, that thing of just punching yeah, Picard. Yeah. Every time Picard's trying to do something, he, like, takes them to one side like he does in All Good Things. It's like he suddenly appears in the ready room going, it's a pretty good big decision, all right? It's it's that kind of thing of Man, him yeah. uh, popping up and just winding Picard the fuck up. I love it when... That's what I want yeah. to see. I, I hope this is that. And there's a little bit right at the end of the trailer where they're flying the La Serena and they say, where are you taking us? And Picard says, home. I think that's when they time travel. I think it's made to look in the trailer like that must be where they go back to their own time. I don't think it is. I, I think it's Picard yeah, saying, I'm yeah, taking us back I, to work. I think I think that's part time. where the time traveling and he's saying home because they're going to fix everything. Yeah, so I think yeah. maybe they just do it by the classic old slingshot round the sun. I don't know. Um, oh, that'd be lovely to see. Yeah, and why not? Because, you know, the fact is, they always come up with a new way of going back in time. And then they always go, oh, if we run out of the chronoton warp particles, we'll never be able to get them back. Just do a slingshot around the sun. The way Bones <laughs> said it in Star Trek 4, he's like, oh, sure, slingshot around the sun, you know. I'm sorry, I was going to say, just even with the slingshot around the sun, every time they give a reason why it's dangerous. Like, with that, it was like, it doesn't mean we're going to survive. Look, we yeah. can do this, but it's like it is dangerous. So there's always a stake to using any Except of these methods. Except yeah. in Assignment Earth, where it just opens with a captain's log, Kirk saying, we've been assigned to go back to 1968 to observe something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Uh, there we go. Yeah. So finally then, shall we talk a little bit about Prodigy? Um, yeah. The We, we yeah, got like, a video earlier. Like, I... I think this was like the biggest shock of the night was another Prodigy trailer. I didn't trailer. expect a Prodigy trailer, no. Um, yeah, like like I said last week, didn't I? Um, I was really shocked that they released the titles before a week before Star Trek yeah. Day. We, we've got so much now for Prodigy. Oh, um, I'm actually pulled screen. a bit from the, the titles of Prodigy. If you can pull up um, Prodigy Goes to... Goes yeah, to war. I've got it. So uh, yeah, this, and this was... is for the titles. And just look at this and tell me what's going on with the back of this ship. It looks like it contracts. The warp nacelles <laughs> contract and then move lower. Uh, now, now there is some some history with this because not only do they talk about warp bubbles and stuff like that, but in um, one. God, I wish I could remember which audio book it is, but well, which book which I listen to on audio. There's one where they do talk about skimming stones across the pond. If mm. you change the shape of the stone, then it changes the thing. And they from that they surmise changing the warp bubble. 
Yeah. So there could be something but there. Right? If you look at if you look at the back of it though, at the back of the engineering hull, that appears to change shape and it looks like a massive beam of thrust comes out of the back of it. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this ship. And obviously the trailer elaborates on what we've already seen. So we know it's this ragtag group that appear to be on something like a mining planet. And they've found this ship. It looks to be lodged in something. So there's all this chat of, well, how do we get it out of there? Yeah, how did it get in here? What what we still don't know is why we've got a mix of Alpha Quadrant and Delta Quadrant, presumably, species there. Like, Well, like, these part of the trailer. And, and, we see, and I assume he's the guy who owns the mine. And I think it's when they're stealing his ship, the ship, and he said, where's my ship? Well, you see, this is the thing. I, I like the idea that, uh, for me in my head, just, just, I've got no reason particularly to believe this, but it feels like whoever's got this mining planet is one of those people, it's like an Oliver. He just takes them away from yeah. strays from around the universe and exploits them for his own ends. And I get the feeling that's what it is. And they're taught never to hope. And yeah. yeah I, I, like... I think he's also stolen the protostar from Starfleet. I don't necessarily think that. I think maybe it's crashed on that planet and his attitude is just, well, I own this mine. You found that ship in my mine. So therefore, it's yeah. my ship. I don't, you know, I yeah. don't know. Any of, us, any of us could be right at this stage. We don't know. Yeah. Well, also, it, there's it, a bit where, where they touch it and it like the ship comes to life. So I like the idea he's found it, but he doesn't know how to use it. They managed to do something which gets it working. Yeah. And that's why he hasn't yeah. exploited it, it before. Like, what is nice in this clip, like this trailer, it's the first time we actually see the Janeway hologram. Mm. And what she says is really interesting. She's like, on behalf of the Federation, welcome to the ship. And, like, would it's almost like the hologram knows that someone's going to find the ship and activate her. Now, now I was thinking, I wonder... If after they've got back, so we know this is five years after Voyager ended, mm. and I, I speculated previously that they've used technology from that Voyager discovered in the Delta Quadrant, slipstream drives, transwarp coils, and all the rest of it to make this ship. Now, after listening to this, I wonder if the Federation have sent it out to bring someone back. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it was sent out as an unmanned ship with the hope that someone would find it and take over yeah. using it. It seems very random, though, to send out, like, a... Yeah, because what if... A massively experimental ship what without if it, a crew. The case on the off chance it. that someone what? friendly will find yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had an idea that maybe it was meant to be a research ship. Maybe. And maybe it's meant to be, like, mostly scientists, and they've got this kind of command hologram-based, you know with lineage in Voyager, uh, which is meant to help instruct them in ways of command and stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe the speciality of science here, and for some reason the ship got sent away or they had to escape it because it was malfunctioning, and then it ends yeah. up desolate here. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's just the way she says welcome on board as though she were expecting visitors. You know, I'm, I'm really yeah. intrigued as to what the setup of this show is going to be. I mean, it, it That's looks... That's delicious about... Like, art-wise, it just looks stunningly yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's and great. I am so looking forward to this. And, and, like, when you see things like this and you see the Picard trailer, 
And you look at the timeline, so Strange New Worlds is obviously coming out after Picard. You can see why we didn't get the Strange New Worlds trailer mm. to steal this thunder. Yeah, I mean... But the thing is, I, they, they, maybe they just felt they had enough, but to me, it's like you watch the Picard trailer, you now got an idea of what that series is going to be, the next series. Strange New Worlds, you sort of know what it's going to be before it even um, mm. shows you a trailer. All these yeah. shows, you know what they're going to be. Prodigy, you've got an idea of where it's going, but you don't know quite what it's going to be or where it no. comes from. It's, that's what's lovely yeah. about this. There's so much you can just speculate on. It does look like it's going to be a load the, of fun. Like, like the, the character's I, I love, excitement's this, this part of this, this part there, I love, I love that in the trailer. And they're going, hey, press the button, find the pew, pew, pews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that sort of... Make it go pew, pew, pew. That, that childlike exuberance that yeah they're bringing to it and it it does just look like it's going to be so much fun i'm really looking forward to it even though i know it's a kid's show but you know what i watch a well, lot of kids shows like well in the panel it. of it they were they were talking about it and they're going yes it's made for kids but it exists in the same universe mm. as all the rest of star trek and the same problems mm are still there. It's just how they dealt with and looked at and exactly. Might I also might I also when this is the thing that people forget, it's like when uh, shows like Star Trek and Doctor Who first started, we didn't have bespoke programming for no, no, very it was true. family viewing. And yeah. family viewing is a bit different these days <coughs> because everyone could go to their own channel to watch whatever they want. So this like to say it's a kid's show, it's probably more in tone with the original series when it comes to yeah. that sort of thing than any of the sequels because like in yeah. next generation probably a bit more so because there was still family viewing at that time now everyone goes to their own corners kids shows probably where they aimed most shows back then check out elliot's videos on um i think you, you well usually it's building starship models on retrack model studios um, but i, I, have, a, I have a couple of specials being released <laughs> on there we go Saturday, about 8 o'clock, I think they're going to be released on YouTube. There we UK go. time. There'll Did be three, I think two, possibly three videos all, all releasing at once. So keep an eye out on that. That's going to be a surprise. And um, thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Live long and prosper.